Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. into a special Sunday edition of the Locked on Browns podcast and the hope and opportunity for another game to watch our beloved Cleveland Browns try to compete for a win, try to show the fans something so that the fans can be excited. Just a couple things we want to hit on this morning. Hopefully you're having a good Sunday morning. Hopefully you're safe out there uh, that all the ice and snow and rain and cold hasn't impacted you too greatly make sure you are safe first and foremost nothing else matters does not matter to get there early if you're not going to get there at all based on accidents so make sure you're focused make sure you're not texting make sure you're not doing any of that kind of stuff on your way to the game on your way to the bar to family whatever that is on this sunday before christmas one week time hope you got all of your shopping done Uh, you can go to scoutmediascout.com you can actually find some Uh, some shopping stuff, uh, especially on the OBR. Uh, And so, again, make sure you do your shopping. Uh, Brown stuff might be cheap. So I want to hit off, start off with just kind of looking at some of the games. I'll have a full write-up on the OBR.com. Again, that's the OBR.com, part of Scout Media Network, uh, looking at some of the games that matter for the Browns when it comes to draft picks. And so just going to kind of run through the scoreboard that I'm looking at on ESPN real quick and just kind of talk about the games and why they matter and why they don't matter for the Browns. And so obviously kicking it off with the Browns game, a loss today pushes the Browns to 0-14. The issue for the Browns is that the San Francisco 49ers also only have one win. And because the Browns' strength of schedule is so strong, right now a 564 strength of schedule compared to the 49ers' 500 strength of schedule, if they are tied, the Browns will actually lose that tiebreaker. And the reason for that is the Browns played a better schedule, so they're expected to lose. Where the Niners, having the same record with a weaker schedule, obviously, again, based on this tiebreaker scenario, are worse. And so if the Browns and 49ers are, have one win each, then the 49ers will get the number one overall pick and the Browns will have the number two overall pick, which loses a lot of power, whether it's picking their own quarterback, whether it's getting Miles Garrett, a lot of things like that. So for draft considerations, we want the Browns to lose. Also, the Bills pumping up to seven and seven can be helpful um, when it comes to the Titans pick that we have in the second round. Uh, but we won't focus much on that here. I'll focus more on that in the Orange and Brown report. Second game, Bears-Packers. Uh, the Packers are currently sitting at 7-6, and six, uh, but it's actually the Bears we want to focus on who are 3-10 and 10 and have been coming on strong over the last couple weeks. Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, the pick we have in the first round, currently sitting with five wins, the Bears are two games behind them, and so we're going to root for the Bears to win out. So if the Bears can go 6-10 and 10 or even 5-11 and, and then win, if the Eagles, quote-unquote, win that strength of schedule, 
That's what we want. So we want to root for the Bears to beat the Packers today. We also want to root for the Jaguars to beat the Texans. Again, similar reasons. The Jaguars have two wins. If they can win out and get to five, that's obviously uh, ties them with Philadelphia if the Eagles lose out. And so uh, that's something that's going to be really, really important uh, for the Browns pick that the Eagles have. Um, whether it's realistic or not is a different discussion. Eagles, Ravens, obviously that one's easy. We want the Eagles to lose out. Uh, so if they can go 5-11 and 11 and lose the last three, that's great for the Browns, especially if they can, um, if the Jaguars win out, which is unlikely, but the Jaguars win out, the, the Bears can win at least two of their games, maybe three. That gives the Browns a lot of hope for what that pick could be from the Eagles. On a very base level, the highest that pick can be is third. That's the highest uh, based on the fact that the uh, 49ers only have one win, three more games left. So the highest the Eagles can pick is third, uh, and that would be with the Jaguars winning out, the Eagles winning that strength of schedule. Then obviously the Bears, the Rams, uh, and the Jets also winning some games to jump over the Eagles. We already had the Jets and the Rams lose this week, and so that's a problem uh, for the Browns as they look at the Eagles pick. Continuing on, we want the Titans to continue to lose, or we want them to lose, uh, so they play the Chiefs. You're going to root for the Chiefs there. The Giants-Lions game is an interesting one. We want the last game of the season for the Eagles versus the Cowboys to be an important game, and that means we want the Giants to look good uh, and the Giants to kind of be knocking on the doorstep of the Dallas Cowboys. And so we want the Giants to beat the Lions. Colts-Vikings doesn't have a big impact um, on the uh, Browns-Eagles pick. Uh, either one of those teams, though, uh, could be impact, could impact the Titans' uh, pick, but 7-6 and six and 6-7, six and seven, um, there's kind of a, a no-win situation, no-lose situation there. Um, Bengals, Steelers, in case the Eagles win uh, any more games, we want the Bengals to also win. So, again, we're going to root for the Bengals over the Steelers. Saints-Cardinals is kind of a win-win for us, uh, though the Cardinals having that tie um, always will be beneficial. So if we can have the Saints win, they'll go to 6-8. and eight. The Eagles lose, then uh, they don't have to fight off that strength of schedule. We always want the Niners to win. Again, if the Niners win, it gives the Browns some breathing room to possibly win a game. So they face off with the Falcons, which will be a tough game at 405. Uh, Patriots, Broncos, no impact. Raiders, Chargers, we want the Chargers to win to go to 6-8. and eight. Cowboys, Bucks, we want the Bucks to win so that that last game of the season for the Cowboys matters. Though it's an interesting one because they might be starting Tony Romo if they've already kind of sewn things up. And so that could be interesting to see him want to win the game. Uh, and all that kind of goes along with that. And finally, Panthers, Redskins tomorrow night. Uh, we want the Panthers to win to go to 6-8. and eight. Again, if the Eagles continue to lose, we want the teams tied with them or below them to win to kind of push that up. So just kind of wanted to go through that quick schedule with you to give you an idea of what things look like. And again, go to the OBR.com. Um, a little bit later this morning, and I'll have all of those games detailed for you, as well as the cheat sheet. So as you're going through the day, you know who you are rooting for as a Browns fan. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. 
So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. So it's time to really preview today's Browns-Bills matchup, a matchup that when most people look at it, uh, just in general, it doesn't seem like it it should be as bad of a matchup as there are there's predicting. And so the Bills six and seven are three and three at home. The Browns obviously are 0 and 13 and 0 and 6 on the road. Uh, there's reports that they've already made the decision to get rid of Rex Ryan in Buffalo. Remember when Buffalo was that that pick because they made up all they had those draft picks and they brought in uh, a lot of good defenders, Jerry Hughes, some of the Browns wanted. Um, they brought in some offensive weapons. They had Tyrod Taylor and EJ Manuel. And it goes to show that you need a good coach. You need a good quarterback. You need a good, you need everything to be good overall uh, when you're talking about winning in the NFL. And so Buffalo uh, looks to basically be out of any possible playoff contention this season. But according to ESPN's Football Power Index, they are an 88.6% chance of winning the game. They are a 10-point favorite. Um, and so that, that tells you where um, people see the Browns compared to the Bills at this point in time. And the Bills are kind of going to be looking in a new direction, um, which is something that I have personally uh, been against the Browns doing uh, until at minimum after three full seasons with this group. I would prefer it be four, but three full seasons with this group is really kind of my preference uh, at a minimum, but that doesn't mean that's going to happen. And so the same thing, Rex Ryan is on his way out, um, but it looks like they may end up keeping their general manager. Um, so it'll be interesting, just a couple of years of Rex Ryan, and all of a sudden he's on his way out the door. And so uh, what are the keys to the game for the Browns today? Um, I think the weather plays a factor. I don't think we're going to see, again, a lot from Robert Griffin the third uh, As he kind of shakes off the rust, I think we'll see a couple better plays. I think we'll see a little bit better accuracy, but I don't think you're going to see Robert Griffin III kind of unleashed today because of the weather um, and all that kind of goes there. The wind chill will be below zero um, most likely. And so I don't I don't think you're going to see him kind of unleashed on this game, but he's got to make some good plays. Uh, offensively, the Browns have to um, stick with the run game, even though the Bills will try to load up the box. They have to be able to run the ball. Um, it's kind of that old saying about the AFC North, you have to be able to run the ball even when the other team knows it's coming. And so the Browns have to be able to show some of that uh, today against Buffalo. Yet last week, um, Isaiah Crowell looked really, really good, but didn't get many carries, you know. So you're looking at 10 carries for someone who ran the ball over 110 yards. Um, I think Hugh Jackson has to figure out how to stick with the run while also getting creative, which is something he loves to do in his play calling. Again, whether that is a jet sweep to Terrell Pryor Uh, a reverse pass from prior, whether that's going back to some wildcat plays, which he hasn't done much with Terrell uh, in the last few weeks, whatever it is, on offense for the Browns to be competitive today, they have to be able to stick to the run, uh, play some level of conservative uh, football, but that doesn't mean they can't go long. Conservative football is all about not turning the ball over and giving your team the best chance to win. And so there are long passes, especially to someone like Pryor or Corey Coleman, where it's either a very long completion slash touchdown or it's an incompletion. And so that is still conservative football, even though it doesn't sound like it, chucking the ball 40 yards down the field. But those are the kind of plays when they load up the box that Griffin should be able to make. Last week, he seemed to be over-gripping the football. 
Um, it's something that as someone who was a pitcher before um, and just kind of knowing sports, you could see that um, things were getting kind of thrown into the ground and uh, really forced. And it looked like he just had that football. He wasn't holding the football. He was trying to almost pop the football with how hard he was gripping it. So on offense, again, conservative play calling, focused on the run, um, get creative in a way that's safe with whether it's prior um, Duke Johnson using the screen game, you know, those kind of things. I don't think you need to focus on the formation so much. On defense, it's all about focusing on kind of the opposite or taking away the things that the Browns want to do. And so that's focused on LaShawn McCoy and Tyrod Taylor in the run game and Sammy Watkins primarily in the pass game if he's able to be healthy. I think Joe Hayden needs to get really, really physical with Sammy at the line of scrimmage, but not get caught peeking into the backfield. And so if the Browns can really kind of um, all kind of huddle to the football, uh, making sure they don't let Tyrod Taylor uh, kind of break out on some zone read, uh, as well as kind of confining LaShawn McCoy, I think they're going to put themselves in a position to keep this game low scoring. The weather kind of fits into that as well. Um, but the Bills have run the ball pretty much on everybody. And so uh, can the Browns figure out how to control that while not giving up big play after big play to Sammy Watkins? I think that depends on whether they can contain the football something that the Browns with their aggressiveness and what I would say is a distrust of the interior players have really, really struggled to do. And so whether that's cornerbacks, free safeties, linebackers, defensive ends, they tend to crash down sooner than they should. And so uh, that's something that can be problematic with LaShawn McCoy, who is very shifty, Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback who can pull the ball and go very, very quickly. Uh, something they have to really, really focus on. And then if Joe Hayden uh, can get some help, um, whether that's from a free safety, whether that's uh, some bracket kind of coverage uh, on Sammy Watkins and not peak in the backfield. That's something that Joe really, really struggles with. Um, and so sometimes Joe is trailing um, and that trail technique is something that is okay. That is something that is taught. Uh, basically, it's kind of like fronting a big man in basketball. You're forcing a very uh, specific pass that has to be thrown um, pretty well. It takes away some of the back shoulder kind of throws uh, that many teams can kind of run. And so trail technique isn't a bad thing. And it's something that Joe uh, doesn't play terribly, can get beat because he's not the fastest guy in the world. But where Joe really has the struggle is um, when he's playing off or even when he's playing some press coverage or zone coverage and he gets himself caught looking in the backfield and loses sight of his wide receiver uh, duties and can often get beat pretty badly because of that, because he gets aggressive. And so expect the Buffalo Bills uh, to run some play action, some zone read pass option kind of plays to try to get Joe Hayden out of position. It could be tough uh, for the Browns today. It could be a game that is 9-6, or it's a game where the Browns can struggle to score, but the Buffalo Bills are running roughshod all over them. I think this could be the game that decides um, how Jamie Collins feels about the team, maybe even Terrell Pryor feels about the team. When you're playing a team who is out of the playoff race, who has uh, reports that their head coach is getting fired, what do you show up? How do you show up for your coach, for your team, for your pride? I think that'll be huge. Now, I've always, I've been the Browns optimist, right? I thought last week against the Bengals was probably uh, their best last option to get a win. I thought there was an opportunity there. Uh, and there was, I think, running Isaiah Crowell was the opportunity that the Browns had there. I thought Robert Griffin III would look a little better than he did. Uh, 
but the Browns lost 23-10. to the, the remainder of the Browns' schedule against the Bills, the Chargers, and the Steelers isn't much easier. You know, against the Bills, you have a, a, an amazing run game with a pretty good defense. Against the Chargers, you're dealing with Phillip Rivers and, again, a good defense. Uh, and then with the Steelers, you have a team who has pretty much owned the Browns. Uh, and on New Year's Day, Ben Roethlisberger and the rest will be likely still competing for a playoff berth, and they're not going to take it easy on the Browns, even if they've already clinched something. And so um, I think today is a, is an opportunity. I don't think it's a good opportunity. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Browns to stop the run and to run against this team. And I don't think Robert Griffin III is there yet. And so, again, I think we're looking at another loss. But this loss, again, could be 9-6 or could be 28-3. Neither one of those would surprise me. But hopefully it's interesting. Hopefully we see another game from Emmanuel Agba. Maybe we see a little more from Carl Nassib. Maybe we see Jamie Collins continue to be aggressive. Uh, maybe we see some more good play from Jonathan Cooper to start to get Browns fans excited about uh, the offensive line, something I covered with Brent Sobolewski, uh, who's a part of the Origin Brown Report, also writes for Bleacher Report uh, this week in our delayed two for Tuesday Talking about where the offensive line is and will be next year with Petonio and Greco coming back and all of that. So hopefully we see some things to be excited about. Hopefully Hugh Jackson sticks to the run. He's talked about it, but he hasn't been about it. And so, and hopefully we see at least a limitation on the Bills run game. No one's been able to really stop the Bills. So for the Browns to, for Browns fans to expect uh, this Browns defense to, to stop them, it's pretty unrealistic. They're first in the league in rushing at 154 yards per game. I think I'd be happy at 120, somewhere in that area, um, if they're able to kind of shut that down to 120 or so. Uh, I'd be pretty darn happy. Um, they are not passing the ball very well, 183 yards a game, and so um, it's really all about stopping the run, but everyone has known that facing Buffalo, and no one's really been able to stop them, and so uh, today, I expect another loss, uh, but I expect to be hopeful on the other end. That's kind of my role, I think. Uh, not on purpose, not because I want to be, but just who I am as a person. Uh, my role is as the Browns optimist, the Browns counselor. And so another loss, but hopefully we'll see a lot of positives. And again, make sure you check out the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report. I'll have an article up here in the next half hour or so uh, talking about each game that's important to the Browns this week why it's important, and what we want to have, and give you a little cheat sheet for that game. So thank you again for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I have been your host. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by, and go Browns!